It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Greetings again and welcome to Three Point Podcast, episode 158. Our team includes Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, the Corona Public Schools, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5, The Castle. The boys are back. I'm Ted Fattel of Z92.5 with Matt Burns of ESPN and Jared Fattel of Fat Stack Sports. Thanks again for all the listens, and make sure you give us a follow at Three Point Pod. Well, guys, we've been off for a couple weeks with our own little uh, winter uh, excursions, if you will. Let's uh, let's get caught up to date a little bit. Jared, I know you celebrated a, a new birthday, number 22. Yep, turned 22. Probably the most low-key uh, birthday I've had in, in a long time because, I mean, just with pandemic and everything that's going around, I just stayed at the house. I will say, kind of embarrassing, as a 22-year-old, I've only ever stayed in a house by myself Two nights. Think about that. Two nights. <laughs> Even in college, always had a roommate there or right. something along those lines. So that's kind of an interesting and thing to think I know about. you get creeped out and you, you see things and you're kind of a scaredy cat. So how'd that all go? I don't know if you've seen things. I would say they're called night terrors, okay. which is, uh, I don't know. I think they're like diagnosed as something. I don't know if it's necessarily you're seeing things. It's like a dream. Um but, yeah, I get scared out. We have big windows in our house, so it's it's a little freaky. Uh, I'm just going to be 100% honest with that. What, what's the tie-in? On your birthday, you stayed home alone? Is that 
kind of thing. <laughs> no, I'm saying so. My parents right now are in, uh, they're in Arizona, and they've been to the Grand Canyon and stuff. So they're they're going to be gone. For, they've been gone already for five days. They're going to be gone for another five days. Uh, so basically, I've been having to deal with that running the household. I, I tell you what, you've had, you had a hot tub for a long time. The amount of work that goes into <laughs> a little square hot tub is it's like it's almost like it's a pool. The amount of different chemicals you got to put in, the different tests you do, yeah, the filter changing in and out. Like I can't believe how much work it is to maintain a hot tub. I have to, I love I love this, Matt. You know, he he sets it all up by saying, oh, just low key, blah blah blah. How many parties do you think he's had? Number one, and I'm sure mom and dad aren't listening. And number two, uh, with all that maintenance on the hot tub sounds to me like there's been a few people in there. I was going to say, you, you wouldn't be having to maintain it so much if you weren't getting some use out of it, so it doesn't sound that low-key. And I was going to say, like you, you said, again, low-key, but if you're able to just have the house to yourself and have a few buddies over, that, that could potentially not be low-key. So it doesn't sound like that bad of a deal. Yeah, uh, I will admit there has been. I had a couple friends over for my birthday and a couple friends over a different night. Uh, other than that, it's been pretty much uh, me and my girlfriend at times. One other thing I will add about kind of running the house for a week is I forgot it's like kind of crazy how much work it kind of is like i've had to do laundry like five <laughs> times already uh do the dishes to like two different times just for like two people uh like you're always cleaning it feels like i feel like i'm always cleaning uh and it's like always in the back of my head i feel like my parents could just like show up at any time any <laughs> any place or or i was even warned that they they have people quote unquote watching for cars in my driveway to see if i'm throwing a party so now, i bet that who'd that come from mom or dad <laughs> i came from uh dad okay all right i was thinking it might be the other way but okay Dad wants to wants to protect. Or no, that it was actually mom. It was mom. Yeah, it was mom. Okay. Yeah. So that's been a little bit of a wild week. But one thing I want to throw out there, and actually, it was a debate that Matt was in on Twitter. I don't think you saw it, or maybe you did. Um, it was the it's the high school shot clock debate. No, so I saw it, but break, yeah, break it down for our listeners. So basically, the scenario is it was a video of a team that was up, I think, like thirty four to twenty six, and they were just holding the ball at center court while the crowd was booing and the team was just like sitting back in like a like some sort of zone of some sort, and the winning team was just holding the ball for. They said it went on for like five straight minutes in the game. I am always going to side with the team that holds on to the ball here for a few different reasons. One, I feel like it. it I Yes, I do think we should have a high school shot clock. I don't think it would come into effect as much as people think it would. Uh, but I guess it would stop that from happening. But I don't necessarily have a problem with that happening in games because, one, you have to gain a lead to do that in the first place. And so they clearly show that they're better than that team to even get to that place in the in the first place. Excuse me, I said that twice. Secondly, it, the fact that teams like sit in a zone – and think that they're like the better basketball players because oh like you haha you're scared of our zone you can't score on our zone like you guys will just sit there and hold on the ball like a bunch of babies I think that's bullcrap they are not forced to do anything as the winning team they don't have to attack them they don't have to keep playing the game I'm all for like competitiveness and sportsmanship but I think it is competitive and I think it does teach people a lesson like hey get out of a zone start playing man to man like the game of basketball was intended to be played that's the way I sit on the fence yeah I definitely I'm not gonna say I'm like adamantly against what you're saying because some some people were like 100 percent all in like this is great strategy i love it and those are the people that i like am adamantly against i just i can't i can't side with either coach in that scenario because right the defensive coach allowing that to happen is just as much to blame as the offensive coach letting that play out that way and the main reason is maybe it's my competitive juices i would never want to play a game like that sure if i was in high school and you know i played for your dad jared and and if if he wanted us to do that i'm sure in the moment i would have went along with what my coach was saying so Mm -hmm. i understand that 
But my thing is, and like people like Josh, your brother Jared was, um, <laughs> him and I were going back a little, back and forth a little bit, and he remembered a game when we were in the playoffs in high school, and we used to run delay a lot when when I played for your dad. But my my defense of that is, if you're running the delay offense to run clock off, and the defending team is actively trying to get the ball from you, that is a completely different scenario. I mean, you're still running your offense; you're just keeping the ball away from them. So that that's like completely different. My biggest issue is with the coaches. And we all know those coaches. There are some fantastic high school coaches out there, college everywhere. There's some fantastic coaches. But we know how coaches are. They get up on their soapbox, and they're a little preachy at times. They, they preach competitiveness, working hard, accountability, you know, not giving up. That's why they call timeouts when they're still down eight points at the end of the game because we don't give up. We fight. You know, they you know get up on their soapbox, and they tweet out these cool quotes from former coaches, and they're trying to be, like, all preachy and everything. And then they do some bold crap like that, and that's where I immediately would say your credibility goes out the door because the next time that you are yelling at me as a player, don't give up, keep fighting, dive on the ball for that floor, what are you doing, never give up, be competitive, and all that stuff, I'll say, yeah, but you just told us to hold the ball for five minutes in the middle of a game, and you were cool with that. So it's like the parent that yells at their kid for cleaning up their clothes and keep your room clean, but then their room is just as dirty as theirs. It's like, well, look at your room. Your room's just as messy as mine, so how can you tell me to clean my room up? That's my biggest issue. It's funny you bring it up because I've seen it in different scenarios, including, you know, John coaching Corona at times. I've seen that play. Uh, it, again, set the stage f- for what this was. Was it the end of a third quarter? End of a third quarter. And it, it was a six-point lead the team like, had? I think they had like an eight-point lead, okay. uh, and they were just sitting there. Now, I understand the problem falls back on the coaches. I, but the thing is, I, I feel like the problem is really with the coach on defense. Like you said, yeah. Matt, it's okay as long as the team that's on defense is like pressuring you and like it's still within your offense. Well, if they're just going to sit back there, like why not? Like let's say it's a close game you're up by like four points or something like that if they just decide like we're just gonna sit back here until there's like a minute left like why wouldn't you just sit there and hold it imagine it's like it's like a march madness game like, i have no problem with that yeah it's kind of a weird part of the game for it to take place but I, I i tend to agree with you that it's more the defense the coach of the defense they should come out and play and i thought it, i always thought there was a rule you can hold it for a little bit but then the referee has to tell them come out and play don't they i've never se- I, thought. I don't believe that that's a rule i've no? actually done this and this is where I almost this I will say this is almost a little bit overboard. This was the definition of like just kind of two stubborn coaches going back and forth. Uh, we had uh, and Coach Shemi was my coach, great coach. But when we, when I was a senior in high school, we had a scrimmage, mm-hmm. and I kid you not, the score was like four zero, and it was like a twenty five minute like running clock scrimmage, <laughs> and we just sat there and held it for like twenty minutes in a scrimmage against Puama Westphalia. In a they scrimmage, would, they would not come out and guard us, <laughs> and so I don't know what how it started, but it became kind of funny where it literally was like twenty minutes in a scrimmage. That is a that's a bit extreme it. in a scrimmage. I'll say that. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. That that's extreme, especially in a scrimmage. Because what did you guys learn? from that what did you take from that experience right there and i guess you know except that you laugh about it yeah we won the game four zero it's hilarious <laughs> but I, you don't you don't it's not a teaching moment if you're going to sit up there on your soapbox and teach about working hard and being competitive and then you're going to sit back no if you're that much better offensively like the team that was winning if you believe that you're that much better offensively then score then go play your offense and win the game like i, I can't i i would not ever be able to take a coach seriously who plays that strategy and then later yells at a kid who didn't dive on the floor for a ball or didn't like hustle on defense or something like that. The, the minute that coach yells at a player for not hustling on defense or not diving after a ball 
or not busting his butt to get back on defense or something, I would turn around and say, yeah, but you told your team to just stand there for five minutes and not do shit. So immediately – Every all your credibility goes out the door if you let the game play out like that. Yeah, and you know that's a, it's an interesting discussion for sure. And this is one of those rare times where I pretty much 100% agree with what, how Jared laid it out. I think I think that's the, not a rare time. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. Well, Here, listen to you, Mister Middleman. Here's what I'll say: is <laughs> Uncle Ted agrees with Jared. Yeah. Way more often. <laughs> do you think? Okay. Do you guys think that a shot clock is something that needs to happen in like like in the number that always gets thrown out? is like 40 seconds is a 40 second shot clock do you think that that is worth the amount of money and installation and operators that it would take to put that in well i think they have to i I think they do need to have it down the road now how long it would take i don't know yeah it's an added cost but they've had added cost to scoreboards and gyms before right so i mean if if the mhsaa let's say for example says you know we're going to institute this shot clock but you know you give the school systems i don't know five or ten years to get it together to get the equipment i mean i i do think and i've come a long way because i played stall ball before when i've been this is competitive city league basketball playing (laughs) it playing against a team that has like six six eight six eight six eight and the only way we could compete we had quick guards that could shoot the ball we spread it out and made them come out and cover us because then we could spread the court and win we didn't go to a flat out hold the ball at midcourt like the scenario that was laid out in twitter but back to the point i think the game of basketball has dictated that it should be more universal. A 40-second, 45-second shot clock eliminates just hanging on to the ball at midcourt. I, I, I broadcast a game once. I think it was Corona and Perry. An entire quarter the ball was held at midcourt by Corona at that time against Perry. <laughs> just held it. And now, how would you like to broadcast a game when nothing, absolutely nothing is going on? I earned my money that night. Yeah, that's, see, I just it's terrible. I don't, I don't know what, you know, especially high school sports, it is – it, there's a it's a lot about teaching these kids lessons especially from the coaches and i just like what lesson are you teaching these kids I, that's i just i can't imagine being a coach and letting a game play out like that now like you said jared you put a shot clock in and 99 times out of 100 the shot clock's never going to be touched yep. you know as far as like reaching the limit but it would it would call like it would avoid situations like this you don't want 24 seconds like the nba cuz yeah high school offenses you need a little more time to get into your offense and everything but Hell, make it even a minute. Make it a minute shot clock just to avoid stupid situations like this. I just, I, I can't believe that people are actually okay with letting it play out like that. <laughs> I hate to say it, Matt. It sounds like you almost might be in the, major, in the minority of this issue. <laughs> Wait, what's the, I, I, what's the question on the table? I'm confused. What I, I, the, I guess, like, the competitive part. Now, right, like, you, you threw out, like, March Madness and say Michigan was up, and I, it would never play out like this in college basketball. Well, let's just say – Michigan was winning a game, and they did that and delayed the whole second half and ended up winning. Sure, as a fan, I'd be like, cool, whatever, Michigan moves on in the tournament. I just can't imagine the, my biggest issue is the coach part. Like, like I've said a few times, I can't imagine being a coach and telling your kids to just lay back. Like I, I just can't imagine doing that. And then, and then the next day screaming at them for not hustling and practice. Okay, so the question is then, should coaches be allowed to just hold the ball? basically is that the question i i think they should like you said i have no problem with instituting a shot clock which would get rid of it uh but until that happens i have i don't see a problem with it personally because especially when it's like when it's a scenario like what we saw which is a team sitting in a zone 
Uh, they're down, like it's like a low-scoring game, and you just know as soon as they come out of that zone, you're going to break the game wide open. So basically, you're looking at it like the coach is saying, I'm doing whatever it takes to get the W, right? Yes. Not based on style points. Yeah. I, I okay. Think, so I don't know. I, it's a good debate. Interesting, it is. It's, I, I, I actually I didn't realize it was going to be this much of a fiery <laughs> debate both on here and on Twitter. What? It, it, was, it was in both places, yeah. but – uh, you know, while I was battling the Twitter freaking like fight, and me and Matt were, you were where the heck were you, Nashville? I was just following you. Yeah, I was in Nashville actually. Since we were, we are in our little catch up portion. I was on business, and then that evolves into pleasure at night. And I, I know Matt, you've been in Nashville, right? Yeah, a few times. Yep. And Jared, I know well, you, you're a big country guy, but never been there. Never right? been. That's it's, it's a bucket list it, one. That's you know, you have your faster horses thing you do with your buddies. Get a bunch of buddies together, you know, get a Airbnb and go to Nashville and spend a, an elongated weekend and just enjoy Broadway. I mean, <laughs> the place is unbelievable. It's it's like a it's like a five block stretch of a street, right? And there's bars on both sides of the street. Every bar has live music and it's just blaring. I mean, it's all kinds of different music, mostly country, but it's it's just tremendous. It's it's Yeah, especially especially when, you know, pandemic stuff obviously goes away hopefully soon and and warmer weather there i don't know if there's a better city in the country as far as like if that's what you're looking for walking up and down the street because a lot of those bars they have the you know like their front windows they yes. can just open up to the street so they're just open up you can just like stand in the on the sidewalk or in the street basically listen to music bounce in and out grab a drink here and there the food is amazing it's definitely a cool city. So, yeah, if you, if you get sent to Nashville on business, that's not a bad deal because, right, you can enjoy the town a little bit. Kind of pencil in, too, Jared. I, you know, your cousin Casey has joined a band, Chi-Town, yep. and, and they feature a lot of country. They play a lot of covers of different popular music. But I was I was down in Nashville sitting on top of a rooftop bar, kind of took a picture and sent, it, sent him a text and says, kind of jokingly said, Casey, Chi-Town needs to book a gig down here. <laughs> and he responds back in October apparently they have a gig scheduled in nashville and i said well where are you guys going to play at he said uh, uh florida georgia line has a bar yeah and it's right behind kid rock so i told him i said oh, i'll go have a drink there before we leave got there a little too late so it wasn't open but it's right behind kid rock's place which by the way it's has maybe the best bar stage i have ever seen it's elevated about probably eight foot up in the air and it's got three different levels it's just awesome you would really enjoy it i've heard that the live music there is is like unlike live music you've seen really anywhere else oh yeah where which is you can kind of see that because it's like a band like shy town i would say pretty much the best in our area right uh, at least shiawassee county for sure uh, and yet they get like they they have one gig there, right? So it's like it just like it's just everyone that goes to Nashville is basically a whole bunch of different like bands like a Shy Town where it's like they're really good, uh, and you do, that's all you get whenever you walk down to any of these bars. Well, the other cool thing I noticed too is uh, you know there's no cover charges in almost all the places. I have I've never paid a cover charge. Now they will take donations. They'll pass the hat around, right? Like in the the bar we were at at Kid Rocks, the saxophone player walked around when he wasn't playing the sax, and you just threw some yeah. threw some money in his saxophone, but. But uh, the other neat thing is they'll take requests from the crowd, and if they're a good band, this band was phenomenal. They, there was a couple requests. They didn't know the songs, and in today's day and age, they looked yeah. it up on their phone, l- took about two or three minutes, learned it, and played it. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, to your point, Jared, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, every once in a while, like, a, a big-name star is, is around or, you know, even shows up to some of these smaller bars. But usually it is just someone local or, like, here, like Shy town or, you know, some of these maybe up-and-comers or these country artists trying to make a name for themselves, 
So it's not like it's just some like dude. It's not like no offense, Ted, but it's not like Ted up there on, on stage trying to sing and play the guitar. It's legitimate artists. Just maybe they haven't made a name for themselves. So absolutely, and it's a super cool city. And for more information on Shy Town, it's S H I A T O W N. Look them up online and uh, see about booking them for gigs. Now, Matt, I know you uh, you had a little skiing vacation. Before you tell us a little bit about it, I noticed you posted a video. I was kind of curious how you got the video for that. And number two... <laughs> I, I know exactly. Are you talking about the one where it was him snowboarding down a hill? Yeah, yeah. He but... was holding a GoPro behind him with a little lever. Oh, is that uh, what it was? Yes. Okay. I, I'm not going to lie. And um, it's no surprise that someone of your age was well, definitely yeah. Make fun of me. I don't some care. sort of witchcraft watching it. <laughs> but I, when I first watched it, I sort of thought the same thing. I was like, how the hell is he recording this? Then you, I saw the shadow, and it looked like a selfie stick of like some sort. Well, that was one question. But the other question was, you know, in my experience of skiing, I, it looked pretty crowded. You were skiing past all kinds of people on the hill. Yeah, so, so that day, um, at, at the end of my afternoon, it had gotten pretty busy. So a couple of the runs were pretty packed, and I, I don't. I try and stay away from runs like that. I trust myself. I that was the first time I went skiing in like five or six years, so I hadn't been in a little while. I used to go a lot. I used to go skiing a lot. I went out west to Colorado, Vermont a lot when I lived wow. in New England. Obviously in Michigan, I went a ton. So I used to be a really good skier, and I still am. But you know, I had to like kind of get back into it. But so I, as far as skiing, like I trust myself to be fine navigating around. It's some of these other whack jobs, like trying to fly down the hill and stuff, that I don't trust. So yeah, when it, when the when the runs start getting a little too busy like that, I just stay away because some people are just out of control, and those are the people that I just want to stay away from. But your the camera thing, uh, I actually had a lot of like younger people, not just boomers like Ted, like what you're saying, Jared. Ask about that camera. Younger people too, because it wasn't actually a GoPro. It's similar similar to a GoPro, just a different company or a different brand mm-hmm. it's called Insta360. And kind of like to nerd out for a second, what it is is. Um, it's actually like a really incredible the technology. The camera is tiny, but it has dual 360 degree lenses. So on the camera, there's a lens on each side, and it records 360 degrees on each side. So it's able to, on its own, stitch together frames basically and make the selfie stick disappear. So oh wow! As far as like, it's not me in edit suite making that happen or whatever. You have to set it up properly. But right, if you set it up properly and pull the selfie stick out and record, it's able to make the selfie stick disappear so yeah the first time i saw a video like i don't know a few months ago of someone like doing some base jumping with that camera i was like oh my god i gotta find this thing and get this so so yeah i was pretty excited to get that thing up on the slope well it looked really cool i mean the the quality of the video was awesome i I liked it i i did i mean it shoots it shoots full like 4k 5k video it's one of those things like it's just insane to think about this camera is tiny i mean it's smaller than like the cell phone that I'm on right now, and it's just crazy to think, like, how far technology has come. Like, you know, Ted, you remember way back in the day, like, the VHS camcorders that were, like, <laughs> the size of, like, a bookshelf, basically, on your shoulder when you're trying to shoot video. Yeah, we bought one so, for my dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, it was cool. We went up to the mountains, like you said. It, it's funny, like, you know, everyone in Michigan, you guys have been dealing with snow all winter, but, like, down here in the Carolinas, we have to, like, go find snow. And, you know, like I said, I wanted to go skiing. We wanted to get my daughter into some snow and get her sledding. And, you know, we wanted to do, like, have, like, a little bit of a winter weekend. So, so yeah, we went up to the mountains to uh, Boone, where App State is. Yeah. And, yeah, went way up there, checked out App State, the campus. is a really cool campus up there in the mountains. Yep. Then, yeah, did some skiing and sledding and stuff. So we got our little weekend of, of winter fun in. That looked awesome. And the other thing on the on the winter fun, 
not only with your video of your skiing down the hill, but uh, the tubing. That looked kind of lethal. That looked like you could go pretty quick on that. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was like, a, I think it said seven, seven or 800-foot run, but we were there like a little bit in the afternoon, so the, the runs have like had like slipped over, and it was actually like basically ice. We were right. basically on ice. And we got going pretty fast to the point where at the end, People were, like, flying off the back ramp at the end that was supposed to, like, make you slow down. But, you know, like, teenagers or, like, some of the guys over there were, like, launching themselves to try and jump over it, which I probably would have been doing, too. <laughs> I was, like, Jared's age or a little younger, but I wasn't trying to fly over that and, like, blow out a hip or something. But, but yeah, it was a good time. I, I felt a little attacked personally by the uh, the bozos who don't know how to, like, basically what you're saying is the guys who don't know how to slalom basically just go down the hill and <laughs> just go on a straight shot, like, 100 miles an hour pretty much. That's the only way I know how to ski. I've only went one time, though, and I will say it's, like, it's almost crazy how much I got hurt. Just, like, I, I kind of don't think I'll ever do it again just because of, one, I didn't really know how to do it properly, and so when I would get going on speeds like that, the only way to dodge somebody would be to purposely, like, crash. Well, you know, I was that way the very first time I went, too, but if you went back again and actually went with somebody that knew what they were doing, it's you can pick up on it pretty quick where you do the little zigzag. I don't know what the official term is, Slalom. Matt. Well, kind sure. of slalom, yeah, but yeah. That's, that's how you do it. That's how you're able to control yourself instead of going straight down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, skis are made, you know, the edges are very sharp, so that's what, you know, you always say, like, you carve carve into the snow because those edges are made to dig into the snow and control yourself so yeah it takes a minute to get the hang of but but yeah like i said i used to go a lot so so yeah the minute i see someone going down the hill straight bombing down the hill with their arms (laughs) out and their skis just like looking like a piece of pizza i say the hell away i say the hell away from them and i'm just like i you know i don't want one of them people running into my knee and blowing my ACL out. I will say it's quite a thrill when you're just, you basically are at the will of the hill and there's really nothing you can do, but you're either going to crash or you're going to have a perfect run where you just go straight down the hill. I've never had one of those. It's always (laughs) been crash. I get going too fast and said, I got to bail on this and you're down. (laughs) All right. Well, that's, uh, that's our excellent adventures that we had. We caught up Jared. Happy birthday again, by the way, Thank you. long time to look forward to before you can catch me for sure. Hey, we're going to, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to talk a little college hoops and Hmm, that maize and blue team's pretty good. We'll be back and talk about that right after this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Conveniently located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan. The Janka family are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since 2000. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that is focused on your success. The home financing team has over 25 years experience and origination of all types of loans. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. You're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega-sized bank. Every transaction is given complete attention from the very beginning to the end. Located in downtown Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more information on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Hankard Sportswear is the area's top clothing and more printing business. Located in the heart of Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street, give them a follow on Facebook at hankard.sportswear. 
Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout orders. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. All right, I'm going to start this part out, guys. Um, let me put it to you this way. I really love my wife, but I am literally, I mean literally in love with this Michigan basketball team. Just every time I watch them, you know what I mean, man? I mean, I watch this team play. Every aspect, and I hope I'm not jinxing them, but they, they, they make all the extra passes. They play the defense. They have the perfect rotation. They don't hot dog. I mean, like I said, I can't remember a team I was more literally in love with. I won't say the Fab Five. I enjoyed them, but they're a little bit too showboaty for me. It still was fun to watch. But I, maybe the bad boys. I did love the bad boys. That's probably as close as it can come to what I am feeling for this Michigan basketball team. Thoughts? I wasn't sure exactly where you were going with that. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're but. But, no, I get what you're saying because, you know, you try and temper, especially with any Michigan sports team, you try and, you know, you hold back the excitement a little bit. But when you watch this team, it is hard not to fall in love with them, like like you're saying, because the biggest thing to me, now that we're, I mean, it's March 1st on the day we're recording this, yeah. we're heading into, you know, March Madness, I truly think that this team has every piece that you want heading into tournament play. You've got experience. I, I mean, I like literally, I don't know what part you could look at this team and say, like, ah, but they're missing this. They've got experience. They've got senior leadership. They've got guys who have played in – I mean, they've got guys who have played in the national title game. I mean, like Isaiah Livers and guys who have made tournament runs. They've got a big man. You know, they've got a big man in Hunter Dickinson that you can count on. I mean, this dude is legit. He doesn't, he doesn't play like a freshman. They've got shooting. They can shoot with Wagner and, and Brooks and Smith and these guys and Livers. And they've got a coaching staff that you can trust because not just Juwan, you know, this is only a second year. They've got like Phil Martelli and some other guys with him that have been coaching for a long time. So they've got the staff. They play together as a team. I know, Jared, you tweeted out about Shondi Brown coming off the bench, that he might be the difference maker in some of these tournament games. So they've got some guys on the bench who you can like rely on. So right, I mean, I'm laying it out. I agree with you, Ted. Like this team – I don't know where you could sit there and be like, ah, they don't have this, though, because they're they're a pretty complete team. Here is – it's kind of what's funny about this team is how much of – it's like there's such a breath of fresh air compared to – and I know we – we have actually haven't talked about Michigan football in a long time, but it's kind of hard not to think about them when you look at this program, and they're just such the opposite. Every time Michigan football was in a big game, is in a big game, they, you always leave it disappointed. There's never really a time where you're like, heck yeah, like they like they kicked ass. But every time Michigan basketball is in these scenarios, they always like pull through. I just don't understand it, especially this team. They are everything you guys have said. There's so many different weapons. They seem to just like there's nobody on the team that you don't like. Like we can all admit, like Iggy Brazadakis, maybe some of these other guys we weren't the biggest fans of, but like everybody on this team, you just like they seem like really good guys, and they all love to be around each other. Juwan Howard. The thing that cracks me up about the Fab Five is it seems like everybody I talked to about that was like around at that time that was a Michigan fan hated them. It kind of seems like, but yeah, everyone remembers them as like this team that everybody loves. But even you were like, uh, yeah, I didn't really like them. They're a little too showboaty. I didn't love them. I I, I admit it. But I, did I root for them? Did I enjoy watching them play? Hell yes, I did. I'll tell you, the biggest thing that I had a problem with the Fab Five was Chris Weber. I just did not <laughs> like the way he. I just did not like the way he behaved. That's all. Wow. You know. So you were like uh, Mick McCabe, who we interviewed on. <laughs> he wasn't a fan of Weber either. Yeah. No, and and it, well, it has nothing to do with him lying in his pockets. I just didn't like his his expressions, the way he just went about it out there everybody else on the team i loved i you know 
I was a I was a Jalen fan. I love the way he played, and I was a Jawan fan too back at that day. Here's a, here's a question I have for you guys: Have you noticed that every time Michigan is in a game, it just seems like it's always pointed out that yep, Jawan Howard's successful, but that's that's because uh, Martelli's there with him, <laughs> you know. And I'm all for giving Phil Martelli or yeah, Phil Martelli credit for helping solidify the staff, but damn it. Don't shortchange what Juwan Howard's done. I think on his own, he has shown that he is a big-time coach and should be coach of the year. What cracks me up about yeah. people saying that is, like, how the hell would you know what Phil Martelli – it's not like it's like they're adopting his, like, uh, like, tri- like triangle offense or something like that. Right. Like, he's, like, you, he's behind closed doors. You don't see him, like, going coaching guys, like, on the sideline in the games, like, as much as, like, maybe some other coaches do. Like, I don't understand where people come out and just say that. It's literally just to undermine Juwan Howard, who's going to win coach of the year. There is – I think there's some of that, and I think some of the love for Martelli is just because he's, he's a boomer like me. He's been around forever, and, you know, he's a decent coach over in the Philadelphia area. But uh, I, I think just to cut you off, I think what it really is is I think people like like what we saw. Mike, I like Mike Valeni, but when he was saying like basically like oh, Jawan Howard's oh, yeah. never coached anywhere, and it's right. like he's not going to walk into the like the big bag Big Ten and like win. And he's basically ever since he's came here, he's dominated it. And I think that's what people who are like state fans, like the Tom Izzo's, right. the Fran McCaffrey's, like they don't want to admit that this like young gun who's going to be around for the next probably twenty years, hopefully in Michigan. Uh, amazing goal, amazing blue. Like that, they don't want to admit that he just literally walked in and it was that easy. That he's just the king of the conference already. Yeah, I think it's it's all of that what you just said, Jared. And then like in addition to the fact that it's Michigan, and I, I still think a lot of people don't like Michigan, whether it's hmm. Michigan football or Michigan basketball. They don't like Michigan. And right to think that a guy like Juwan Howard can just come in in his second year with no head coaching experience. And he's got the number one class coming in next year, and this is looking like a Final Four team. I think a lot of people don't like that, so they're trying to almost find, like, how is this working? Oh, it's because of Phil Martelli and that staff. That's not necessarily what I was saying. I, I think Joan deserves a ton of credit, and I agree with you guys. He should probably be Coach of the Year. But you know, we've we've said it before. Like, it he does have a strong staff around him. He so. does. But right, I I think it's everything you said, Jared, and then also like I just think people hate Michigan, so they're trying to they're trying to like discredit what Juwan Howard is doing. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of haters out there for the Michigan thing for sure. And and a, a lot of people that are so-called experts don't realize that what he played like 19 years in the NBA. First he played at Michigan for the Fab 5 era as one of the real solid players. Then he goes in the NBA, has a very solid career, maybe not a superstar, but he had a solid career. You play 19 years in the association, I think you're going to pick up a few things. And then yeah. he, he's what, 5 or 6 years as as a, an assistant for Miami, a solid program. I mean, Who's to say that's not enough for a well, resume? What, what cracked me up was that people were were acting like one of the things is like, oh, he's never. How's he going to do recruiting? Like, look at Juwan Howard. He's from the Fab Five. Like, he's just one of the coolest guys. Like, you think he's not? He's going to have a problem getting recruits over a guy like Fran McCaffrey at Iowa? Like, it just cracks me up that that's like what just is hilarious to me is things like that. Like, where are you even getting that from? Uh, but one thing I will say about this team. It's championship or bust uh, for me, in my 100%, in my opinion. It, it sounds crazy to say it, especially with we didn't expect much from this team coming into this season. 
but we we've done the national championship thing twice in in my life. Like it, 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 if we just go to the national championship game again uh, and lose, it's I'm I'm really not going to blink an eye over that. It, yeah, it'd be a good season, it'd be this and that, but it's not going to like be something I remember for the rest of my life. We need this team to win it all, and it, this is the best year to do it. This team has all the pieces, like we've talked about. It is championship or bust. It's hard to argue that, really. I mean, when you think about it, you only get so many chances. And yeah. the way this team has played. I personally think they're the top team in the country as we record this on March 1st. A lot of things can happen in the tournament for sure, especially with the new format they have and all in one place. Who knows how they're going to react. But from everything I have seen with this team, I think they're ready to go. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Jared, because uh, one of my uh, a group texts I have with some of my buddies, I know I've talked about on this podcast before, we've recently changed the name of the group text to Basketball School because <laughs> yeah. it's cycled through some other titles for the the group text, but now it's basketball school. But we just earlier today were saying the exact same thing, that I think this team has put those expectations on that we were saying final four or bust because I guess to me, like once you get to the final four, who knows what could happen. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like insane things happen in the final four. But I think, I think it 100% is if they don't make the final four, it would be very disappointing because of how they've been playing. Because of everything we just said, they've got every piece that you want heading into the tournament. So, you know, like some of those teams like Duke or Kentucky has had that have been really good in the regular season, but, you know, they're, they're like full of freshmen. By the time they get to the tournament, you know, they kind of fizzle out. So it doesn't feel like that was like much of a letdown or something. But this team right now, with every piece they have, with how they're playing, if they don't make the Final Four, I really do think it would be a disappointing season because – they basically run away with the Big Ten, and they probably should be number one. For some reason, a bunch of people are enamored with Gonzaga. But if they don't make the Final Four, I'll definitely be a little bit let down, too. Yeah, I agree with that. You're, so you're hedging your bet on the Final Four and not the absolute championship. Yeah, just, I, don't, I, I definitely think championship. I do agree with you. But just because, you know, we've all watched enough Final Fours, yeah, that right. sometimes it's just like wild. A team might come out flat or, like, the other team just shoots the lights out. You know, you never know what could happen. So that's why I just say Final Four. And you know that there probably will be some point in there if they do make a tournament run where you're going to say, hey, you know what, if they just make it to the Final Four, I'll be happy. Where they'll be in like a <laughs> round of 32 game down by five with yeah. like five minutes left or something like that. So I'm okay with that. Uh, I think are we are we okay to go to Michigan State now? Yeah, because I have let's move it over. Strong thoughts on you. You have strong thoughts on Michigan State uh, here, basketball? Yes. Here. Uh. Here's my problem number one, two, and three with Michigan State. And what cracks me up is I don't have any problem with anyone that's on the Michigan State team uh, because Aaron Henry said exactly what I was thinking. So Michigan State wins two back-to-back games uh, against top five teams. If you remember, this is the Michigan State team that was in the championship Champions Classic at the start of the year, started the year off. They moved all the way up to what? Pre- to the number one. They were the number one team at one point, or top three, I believe, uh, before they ended up like jumping off a cliff. Uh, but this team finally like seems to kind of get back on their tracks, and everyone's parading around calling Tom Izzo like this is the only team ever to w- win two back uh, top five games right in a row. Michigan State's back; they're peaking at the right time. They're so good. Like get get ready for this team in the tournament, their final four round. And Aaron Henry says like Why are you guys like doing this? Like don't applaud a fish for swimming. You're this right. is what our expect- expectations were 
at the start of the year. And it just cracks me up how a couple wins against teams that are on the that are a little bit of fool's gold, in my opinion, with Ohio State and Illinois, uh, and everyone's acting like Michigan State belongs in the tournament. They're just over a 500 team. The tournament is such a joke that I'm actually hoping that Michigan State gets in as one of these last four teams in because I think it's hilarious to think, like, oh, Tom Izzo, the streak is alive. Like, we make it to the tournament every year, like, really, as the 11 seed, as the final one of the final four teams in. I can't wait, but my problem with Michigan State is this team won a couple games. They're still showing glaring weaknesses, as we saw against Maryland, yeah. and they got a lot of bigger problems than worrying whether or not they're going to make the tournament or not because they have two Michigan games coming, which are big-time bragging rights games, and I think Michigan's going to run them off the floor in both games. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you a little bit. You know, they, these were the expectations for the team. I do think it's a little funny and, you know, not like ha-ha funny, but when Lawyer goes down with an injury – and they stopped playing Kithier so much. That's kind of when things turned around. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's almost like why did you stick with Lawyer and Kithier for so much during the season? But anyway, they do seem to have found something out with like putting Henry at point guard and playing Hogard a little bit more. So maybe they have figured something out a little bit. But like you said, Jared, they do because they they slipped up against Maryland, who is playing well. But you know, Michigan State does does still seem to have some stuff to figure out. But we do know that heading into both. Both Michigan and Michigan State have games on Tuesday, but then heading into those back-to-back games against Michigan, Michigan State 100%, whether they lose to Indiana on Tuesday or, you know, whatever happens, they 100% believe they can beat Michigan both of those games. And I think beating Illinois, even though, yeah, I kind of agree with you, Illinois and Ohio State I think were a little overranked, but those are still two very big wins. Beating those two teams probably gave them a little bit of a boost of confidence. But it wouldn't matter if they lost every game in the season. They would go into those Michigan games believing they can win. So, right, I I agree. Like, on paper, how both teams are playing, how the season is played out, there's no way Michigan should lose those games. But we kind of were saying the same thing last fall, and we saw the Michigan State football team run Michigan off the field. So, you know, I know it's a different sport, but I would never be, like, 100% totally confident, put all my money down on Michigan type of thing because – Izzo will still have those guys up. Now Michigan might run, you know, win big, but Michigan State's going to play because they might be playing for their postseason hopes in those two games against Michigan. So, Well, well talent-wise, we all agree, Michigan head and shoulders better than this Michigan State team. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, but when it gets down to it, Matt, your point's perfectly taken. Michigan State will be ready to play against Michigan. Jared, you're the guy that always gets a, a little pessimistic, I guess. Maybe that's the word that, you know, when Michigan plays Michigan State, Spartans yeah, come out. They ready. always, I mean, they always do. But right. it's kind of like uh, I don't what a immovable object meets uh, like whatever the heck the saying is. Somebody help me there at some point. Uh, but it's like Michigan basketball who always shows up in big games right. versus Michigan State who always beats Michigan in these big games. So I don't know. It's a little bit of we'll see think, which way it goes. I do love that they're playing back to back. That's, that's cool. honestly pretty sweet. I'm really looking forward to that. Crazy. What's crazy is they might end up playing as, as far as for Michigan back-to-back-to-back because, like, the way it's looking right now is Michigan State might be an 8 or 9 seed in the Big Ten tournament. Right. And if they win if they win their first game, Michigan would have that bye, and that would be the next game for Michigan State. So, oh, my again, God. It might play out that Michigan goes, plays three straight times against Michigan State. And to be honest, that kind of worries me a little bit <laughs> as a Michigan fan because not only is Michigan State, like, a solid team, but it's tough to beat a team three times in a row. I don't care, like, how good you are or whatever, you know. But I was going to say, like, two, you know, a few years ago, we remember Michigan State did beat Michigan three times in a row because, of the you know, the season kind of played out like that a little bit. But that was when we had, like, Iggy Brazikas and some of these other guys that what you were talking about earlier, Jared, 
you know, yeah, we maybe liked them, but you didn't necessarily trust them as much. Yeah. Now we've got guys that I feel like in a tough game against Michigan State, you can give the ball to Livers, you can give the ball to Franz Wagner, you got Shondi Brown, who is an experienced player, Mike Smith, yeah, he came from Columbia, but he has played a ton of college basketball, so like you can trust these guys. That's where I do feel a little bit different about this Michigan team. Yeah, and you, you bring up Smith, really, I think he's he's the unsung piece of that team in the starting five. I mean, He's a tremendous little player there. I mean, he does it all. You know, and the, the two transfers they got with Brown and him, boy, did they fit right into the program, didn't they? Yeah. They really did, and he, he never turns it over. Right. Uh, one last thing on Michigan State I have. Honest di- dialogue. Do you think that, let's say that they beat Indiana, uh, and then they lose to Michigan back-to-back games, and let's say they win one game in the Big Ten tournament and then lose. Do you honestly think that they, after like their whole uh, line of work, do they honestly deserve to be in the NCAA tournament? Because here's the thing. I will say this. Blank resume, it seems like every year there's a team like Michigan State where they get in on name alone, where you look at them and it's like there's like a team like Drake that's like has a record like 28-2, and two, and then there's Michigan State who's 15-13, and 13, and they make it in because they have these like quadrant one wins. I don't know. I, I feel bad if a team like a Drake doesn't get in, whereas Michigan State where it's such a down year, they haven't deserved it, they haven't played well, they haven't played together. I just would feel bad if a team like that doesn't get in the tournament and Michigan State does because they beat Illinois without their best player and they got and they beat Ohio State at like the perfect time in their schedule where they were on the upswing. Yeah, I mean, with the way you laid it out, I would probably agree with you on that. It would be kind of tough to leave out a, a team with a, a much better record, but Michigan State gets in alone on their reputation. If it's laid out that way, though, I think Michigan State gets in. Yeah, I, I think. Michigan State will always get the benefit of the doubt because a lot of the media and the selection committee, for some reason, they love Tom Izzo. And, uh, <laughs> oh, there's the Izzo hater coming out in him. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. I mean, it's the same with Coach K, and it's the same with a lot of coaches. Duke, they will do anything to get Duke in. You know, they'll do anything to get Michigan State in. That's why the selection committee, when Michigan State won those two games against Illinois and Ohio State, the selection committee probably was just like, oh, my God, thank you so much because we want to get Michigan State in so bad. So now we can hang on to those two wins. And then especially if they get a win over Michigan this weekend, then, yeah, they're in for sure. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Anything else on college basketball, fellas, before we move on? Well, hopefully. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, you we've been, what, you said episode 158. I forget yep. how many weeks we've been. I mean, basically a year into this pandemic. It's crazy to think that it's already been a year since we lost March Madness. I mean, yep. it's, like, yeah. it's already a year ago. It, it's just it's crazy to think that last year, it's already been a year since we did not get March Madness. Pretty shocking for sure. Let me. Do you guys think? Let's just on a predict predictory basis. Do you think that the like it's going to go without a hitch? Like, let's say the NBA bubble is like the perfect way that this can go, where it's almost like the basketball is better inside the bubble. There's no COVID. Uh, do you think that it's going to go off that way, or knock on wood, is Michigan going to break out and end up missing the tournament? Boy, well, like you said, looking at it as a prediction, I think they're going to. I think it's going to get pulled off with very minimal. Uh, you know, delays or anything with COVID. I, I think they'll pull it off. Yeah, I, I think they're going to figure out any way possible to pull it off, mostly because of the money. And I don't know if you guys saw, but they they did announce that they're going to have, like on Selection Sunday, they're going to have four or six teams that are basically like on standby. Yes, so that's pretty cool. Between Sunday <laughs> and when the first round of those play-in games start, if a team does get COVID and has to drop out, well, you can slide one of those teams in. And then they did say that that forfeits will definitely come into play. So if you are in the Sweet 16 and you've got some players that catch COVID 
then you're, it's not going to like ruin the tournament. They'll just forfeit that game, and that team, the other team will move on. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're going to do anything possible to get this tournament in. Can you imagine being like a, let's say, you know, oh, my, I'm going to explain to you guys doomsday scenario. Okay. We go to the tournament. Michigan State is one of these quote-unquote bubble teams. Uh, let's say Baylor breaks out. <laughs> Michigan State like slides into a one seed and then just has the easiest route to the Final Four. I'm telling you, I could see that happening. Wow. That is our luck. That is our luck right there. It could be. Well, well March is uh, Izzo's month, right? So <laughs> yeah. that's how it's going to go. Well, stay tuned. And it's a little different bracket this year, too. You know, I always t- have – it's like a national holiday for me, yep. the Thursday and Friday. And this year, uh, Thursday will be the first four games. And then the Friday and Saturday now are the first round. So it's a kind of a little different schedule. And the now, second it, round's on Monday. Okay. So that – It's not God, bad. Mondays suck, though. I they? know. Thursdays are – Starting at noon, too. Yes. So – if you're a real hoop fanatic, you'll figure out a way to take off work or whatever so you can watch it. Work from home. Work, That's one work from your home, perhaps. Well, yeah. They haven't told me I can't have the TV on when I'm at home, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, uh, good stuff on basketball. Go blue for sure. Uh, w- one thing I will throw out. Uh, I remember one time, actually, when I was working. This was the first year I was out of college. I was working in, like, a cubicle job. And they they sent out a memo that basically like oh you can't be on March Madness on our computers because it'll slow down the oh, right. the network or whatever. So I kind of was like like first guy on the job like oh like wow I should probably listen to this. <laughs> so I pulled it up on my phone and I streamed it for like two straight days a Thursday and Friday for like ten straight hours. Uh, the Verizon bill came back for my parents. It was like four hundred dollars. <laughs> like it was like three hundred dollars more than it usually was. And they like checked my usage and it was like I used like three hundred fifty dollars worth. <laughs> Uh, so just a little bit of a warning uh, to people out there. If you're on your fa- if you're on your parents' family plan, uh, be careful. Of that. There's a dedicated basketball fan right there. I love it. That is where the whole work from home scenario does change because, right, like you said, Ted. I mean, you're working from home. You're going to have it on right there. You Without don't have to worry a doubt. About your boss checking your shoulder, making sure your computer isn't on March Madness. So yeah, it does change things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll have uh, a little entertainment section coming up here to kind of wind down the show. We'll get that going right after this. The Hankard Sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. They do it by providing 100% guarantee to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always have Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul school spirit items in stock. Also, special items for family, sporting, business, and charity events. Call them at 989-725-2979, stop on into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at hankered.sportswear. Advanced Elevator Company have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. An area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools, Advanced Elevator. Nelson House Funeral Home's top goal is to serve the families in our community. The number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Check out more information on the web at nelson-house.com. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that's focused on your success. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. Located in downtown Owasso, call for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. 
Sheridan Auction Service always has a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Looking out for you, Sheridan Auction Service. All right, it's time for Tedertainment. I have a few things here, but Matt, I, I believe you've seen some entertainment other than sports. Yeah, I finally did actually watch a couple things on Netflix. Imagine that, so I can contribute to uh, Tether Team tonight. Yay! We talked. To, yeah, I think a, a few pods ago, um, you talked about the the docu series on Netflix, Night Stalker. Yes. Yeah, so we did finally end up watching that, and I would highly, highly recommend, just like you did, anyone watching that, unless if you don't like the you know the serial killer type stuff. I you know maybe you don't you want to stay away from this one because this dude <laughs> is was insanely twisted. I knew nothing about this guy. Like, you know, I had never heard of this guy. Richard Ramirez. Yeah, maybe I vaguely had heard of him before this, but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, this is this has to be one of the sickest serial killers that there ever was, right? Because oh, yeah. the stuff that he did and the amount of killings and everything that he did and the way he went about it was insane. I thought it was really well done. Um, it was short, but we, we were going to try and watch it over two nights, but it was so good. Like, we knocked it out on one night. We stayed up till like, 3 in the morning <laughs> to finish it because it was like, one of those when one is done you're like you want to go right on to the next one so yeah i would highly recommend we did end up going and watching sometimes we'll do this a lot when we watch something on netflix we'll then like hop over to youtube and see if there's like some reaction videos or other documentaries or something like that so we did watch a couple documentaries on youtube that were about him oh like and about that docuseries so it was kind of interesting to see some more details and stuff but it's really well done, and, man, it's uh, sick people out there. What was the most fascinating thing? I mean, you know, if you look at Richard Ramirez, he has to be right at the top of of creepy serial killers. You know, everybody thinks about Manson and how he looked, but when you looked in Ramirez's eyes, were you looking at Satan or what? Oh, man, when they finally, like, were showing him, and then when we watched that YouTube video, they were showing more footage of actually, like, him talking, like when he was in court and in jail. My wife, like, could barely look at the TV. She was, like, creeped out. And, I mean, it was. He's a creepy dude. And and the victims and stuff talked about that, that he had those, like, dead eyes, those evil eyes. Oh, yeah. Or just, like, would, like, haunt you. So the fact that he, man, I I just, like, the way he went about his stuff, you know, I don't want to, like, spoiler alert anything, but the way he went about his serial killing just like twisted unbelievable so, yeah if you like that if you like those kind of shows i would definitely recommend it. so you give it a three out of a three i give it a three out of three just because i do enjoy those kind of shows it's kind of weird to like say that that it was like an enjoyable show because it's pretty like twisted i keep saying twisted but um, you could, well you couldn't stop watching it that's the that's the key right yeah that sounds like uh, I'm going to add it to my list, but I'm probably not going to watch it uh, until I have a house full. Until you get uh, your again. parents home yes. again. <laughs> <laughs> I will. It's kind of a random thought, but uh, actually, last night, middle of the night, my shed door flies open. <laughs> uh, like, it I just was scared the shit out of It was windy me. last night. Uh, it ended up being nothing, but it definitely scared the piss out of me as I was walking <laughs> out to shut it. Um, but one show I'm going to throw out, and this is a little bit of a curveball. Oh, um, wow. I'm actually a little bit surprised that Matt isn't uh, maybe more of a watcher of this show. Uh, the Bachelor. Now, uh, I will say this, Bachelorette, not not a good show. I would never watch The Bachelorette, but The Bachelor, and you think about it, you know, yes, I have a girlfriend, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have a bunch of, like, there's a bunch of pretty girls. Pretty girls, yep. Uh, the guy this year, is his name's Matt James, and uh, he was a wide receiver at Wake Forest, and just like all around, like, this is what I'll say about him, all around great guy. Like, the type of guy that you think, like, this this he's not like some like you know frat boy guy like he's a guy that you actually like root for and you actually want him to like find true love or whatever the heck this show whatever the the 
ending of the show is. Uh, but I'm just going to throw that out as a show that, one, I never thought I'd like it, but I see why people love it because there's so much drama in the house amongst the girls of them arguing with each other, who loves who more, uh, who like this one girl quit because she didn't get a one-on-one uh, date with Matt. She felt like she was underappreciated. Uh, it's it's a it's a whirlwind and whirlwind and I'll say this the dates that they go on are awesome like they go skydiving they go to some sweet ass yoga studio in the middle of the forest like it's just it's a crazy show and if you haven't watched it tune in tonight uh, and next Monday because it's the last two episodes of the season I feel like we've talked about the Bachelor maybe Bachelorette a little bit and it's just a show I've never gotten into I can understand you know people get hooked because like you said you get hooked on the drama or some of the characters in the show or whatever. But I feel like I remember Ted like despises. So I feel like you were like you were like I cannot stand the Bachelor. Why well, I, I, the whole concept of it just blows my mind. The thing is, if you watch it for. Uh, for what it is, it's it's a scripted show when you really think. I about don't think it. it is. Oh come I, on, I, I think they No, I really don't think it is. I think here is what cracks me up about it. People always go, like, "I would never go on." Like people are so stupid going on that show and fall in love. But when you think about it, like <laughs> these girls, I didn't realize it. This is why the show kind of has swung, and I oh, appreciate my. it more. Is because you realize these people they're locked into this like sweet cabin for like three months. The only guy they see is Chris Harrison, who may or not may or may not be the host. That's a story for a different time yeah. next season. Uh, and this Matt James perfectly sculpted, like, model, model guy. So you can see how, like, they would end up falling for this guy. If you think about it, it's the only person they see. They're going on these sweet dates with him. It's such, like, a fairy tale story. You get kind of swept up in it, and when you spend enough time with him, as much time as they are, like, three months alone with him, like, you're going to end up liking this guy, especially when it's always, like, the all-star dude that they bring in on these shows. I know they're probably not going to stay together after marriage, but when you look at it as purely like a competition and sort of like a way to become famous afterward after the show it's a great show well there you go i mean you just kind of laid out a couple of the arguments that i would have had i mean you know they're all playing the game that's what it is and it, but they still end up crying when they get voted out well, that's that's all part of the whole act i don't know oh my. yeah I, I always wonder if it's more they're crying because of like true love or they're crying because they lost. Yeah, they're they're just crying because they lost, and they look like an idiot on TV. Now I could buy it to watch the, for the competition. I could buy that. I also could buy the fact that you know when you watch The Bachelor, it's all these good-looking girls. But I think they would just drive me absolutely insane with all the drama. Just on the clips I've That's seen. That's what is good about this this Matt James character is. He's one. He's just an everyday everyday guy. I like to think that he's like how I would act, mm-hmm. like if I was in this scenario. Uh, obviously, I'm not as good looking as him, or as rich, or as anything that he has. But uh, like anytime there was like a drama or girls arguing in the house, he would just bring them in, send them home, and it's just <laughs> I, it just cracked me up. He'd do it every single time. Anytime a story like this came out where somebody was saying something like bullying somebody else in the house, sent them home. Oh, I like that. That's he good. he said a no nonsense house that I really just I, I appreciated. You hear that, man? A no nonsense house. <laughs> How, how about that? Story, I guess. <laughs> I, you guys laugh. I, I was laughing, too. Hey, uh, three months ago, I was laughing, too. Next thing I know, I can't wait to watch the finale tonight. Jeez, I wonder who got you hooked into that show. I just can't, can't even imagine. Like, you do have to share the TV now that you're in a relationship, right? Yeah. So yep. you might as well enjoy it if you have to watch it. Actually, it was her mom that was that always was watching it, and so like I would just be in the room or whatever. And next thing I know, like as time wars on, I'm like you know spending less and less time on my phone, and more and more time I'm just watching this show. Right, it's a heck of a show. All right, we we know what you like. Um, I was gonna also throw in here real quick, like Matt, you you talked about uh, you know the Night Stalker. 
Do you ever get sucked into a show uh, because you watched another show? You know, they'll say recommended for you because you watched this. On Netflix, I watched another one. It was called uh, Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And and the the hook they got me in was, you know, Ramirez had actually stayed at that hotel. It's kind of in a seedy skid row area of L.A. I would say don't waste your time watching this. It's, it's two hours too long. It's four one-hour episodes. They could have condensed it, made it much better. So I got sucked in on it, Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, two out of three on that one. But there is one I do want to tell you guys about. It was on uh, HBO. Okay, and it's called, and it, you know, we're all in the industry of sports, sports talk, whatnot. Have you heard about the show called Wild Card, The Downfall of a Radio Loudmouth, Craig Carton? Have you heard of no, that guy? No. No. Okay. In New York on WFAN, right? That's the original Mike and the Mad Dog show. Yep. Right? With Francesa. Well, they had to find a replacement when they went to Sirius Radio, so they brought in Boomer Esiason, and they teamed him up with this guy called Craig Carton. And this guy is a lot like Valente in Detroit, right? Just really out there. Yeah. But huge in ratings. I mean, he was just, him and Boomer had the top-rated show in New York there on WFAN in the mornings. Well, this guy just got so caught up in gambling, and I mean big-time gambling, Jared. He got tied in with the mob, got extra money. He got thrown in jail by the feds. And this is a documentary about the rise and fall, really, of that guy. It's very interesting watch, Wild Card. So check it out if you get a chance on HBO or YouTube or however you can do it or on your jailbreak. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that sounds like an interesting one. I was going to throw out uh, another that maybe you've seen on Netflix because it's along these lines mm-hmm. called Long Shot. Have either of you guys seen that one? Uh, it seems like I might have. Fill me in a little bit more. Long Shot. So, yeah, Long Shot. It's about a – I don't want to spoil it because it's a, it's a one episode, 40 minutes. So you can easily knock it out in you know one night. Uh, it's about a guy out in L.A. who gets accused of murder because he... No, no, I saw that. In fact, I talked about it, I think, on here. I know what exactly you're talking about. It's awesome. <laughs> and they ended up they ended up finding him. Like, he, he was at a Dodger game, and they ended up figuring out that it wasn't him. Is this the one you're talking about? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy to think, like... The one thing about, like, the Night Stalker, I know we've talked about how serial killers back in, like, the 60s and 70s, how could they run? And I've always thought, like, well, and we've said on here, you know, there weren't cell phones or there weren't cameras on every lamppost and there weren't security cameras everywhere. But then to think that, you know, fast forward to this this documentary where this dude, they're able to, like, pinpoint him and find him at Dodger Stadium by going through all the footage and all the different, you know, lengths that they had to go to find him. So it's just crazy to see that. So. That, that was a, it was a really good one too. I highly recommend it. Like you said, it's a short forty minute watch, long shot. Definitely check it out on Netflix. Before we wrap up this segment, uh, I don't know if you remember back when I was talking about Chadwick Boseman and his final uh, movie appearance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Well, they just had the Golden Globes last night, and as expected, he won the Best Actor Award and a fantastic performance without a doubt. Uh, I won't get into the other stuff I had on Golden Globes, but uh, Chadwick Boseman definitely missed and was a tremendous actor. I got one final thing here uh, before I wrap up this last part here. you know, we, we've had a couple weeks off. We haven't had a chance to talk about the Tiger Woods accident. But yeah. how about that uh, tribute that the golfers put on with him and you know, wore the red shirts and the uh, black pants? I mean, that that's pretty incredible respect right there, I thought. It's 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 crazy. It's awesome. I loved it. And my favorite one is Tony Finau, who walked in with the backwards hat, yep. uh, the famous Tiger Woods photo with sunglasses. Uh, 
which I, I believe was for Sunday of the Masters when he did that. But I love it. I, I will say I'm just glad to see that he's okay. Yes. It seems like you know you don't even almost don't even want to talk about whether or not he's going to be able to return to golf or yeah. not at this point. You're just happy to know with all the things that were swirling around right as the accident happened, and that's what's almost like kind of terrible about social media in a way. And I know I'm, this is like oh, a you mean about thing. all the rumors how, people yeah, were throwing how, out there? There's so many rumors. Like, you thought the guy was like I, you pretty much thought he was dead, right? And it's just sad that that's what happens. But when when you think that, and then it turns find out it's like he you know he's had some injuries to his legs and other things like that. I'm just glad that he's okay, and I'm glad that it basically he wasn't at any sort of I mean it well he was at fault but it was a I guess it's apparently a road that's very dangerous it, was a it wasn't accident. drugs wasn't anything like that so I'm just glad that he's okay and that he's we're gonna still have Tiger around it's yep. not gonna be a Kobe story yeah it, well yeah exactly what you just said right there and when you were talking about social media that's why that's where I think where everyone's minds went is a year ago when a similar thing kind of came out about Kobe and you know people were rumors just started flying like crazy and then obviously the worst thing ended up being true i think that's why immediately with with this tiger situation it was hard to not immediately go to that place but yeah we're we're obviously happy he's okay you want him to like get healthy and everything it's just sure seems like golf is going to be way down the road even of like a possibility for him to get back into competitive golf but yeah Yeah. glad he's okay and everything but you know, I've seen people, like, the last thing I guess I'll say, like, I see, see people say, like, why does this guy, you know, they say about other celebrities, why does this guy not have, like, a, his own driver? Why is this guy always driving? Because he's been in a few accidents and stuff. And I just always think, like, he, yes, he's rich and famous and insanely rich, Tiger Woods, and famous, but they're still, like, normal people. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to say, like, you got the money to just have a personal driver drive you everywhere. But you're still like a normal person, like you know. So I just think when I saw people saying like, "What an idiot! Why is he still driving himself?" It's like because he's a he's a person. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd want someone driving me everywhere either. So yeah. that's just something I thought. No, I agree with you, and and we've said it before, and especially you have said it. When you look at social media, Twitter, whatnot, there's a, there's a bunch of idiots on there. They just always try to post the negative stuff, and it's just silly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I I have one final thought on Tiger, you know, and I, I agree, Jared, that we're not going to say really if he can come back or not, but the first thought that came to my mind was Alex Smith. And if he came back from his horrific leg injury, yeah. I certainly wouldn't count Tiger out, you know, because I thought there was no possible way. And, yeah. he, and he came back and played in the NFL, so... It, I tell you what, it was almost. It seemed a lot less likely when he came back and won the Masters. Mm-hmm. You know, from where he was ten years ago to now, it's yeah, I know it's crazy. But if if this is the last we saw of Tiger Woods, I he I'm always going to remember him. Had, I don't care whether he didn't catch Jack or all right. these other things. Golfers are way better now, and right. golf is a way better sport because Tiger came through. He's the best I've ever seen play golf, and I think pretty much all three of us would agree with that. Yep, I totally agree. All right, fellas, that's all I have. You got anything else you want to wrap up? Uh, any other thoughts you didn't get to that you wanted to? We good to go? No. All right, let's call it a show. Good to be back with you boys, by the way. Now, it's a wrap, everybody. Just uh, remember, follow us at 3 Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, the Corona Public Schools, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. And by the way, Please consider a donation to the ALS Association of Michigan Chapter. There's still no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes someone's diagnosed with that terrible, terrible disease. I know 
One of my best friends passed away from it, and it'd be nice if we could someday in my lifetime get a cure for that. Also, by the way, the Z92.5 Game of the Week coming up on uh, Friday night, uh, March 5th, Ovidelsi at New Lothar. Hope you can join me for that one. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thanking you again for listening to and supporting our partners in Three Point Podcast. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.